Retail Smarts Podcast. I'm your host, Dominique Lamb. Today, we are incredibly lucky to be speaking to Beth Glancy, who is the General Manager for ANZ for Aerobe. Such an incredible business. Beth, it's so wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you. Tell me, how did you get into retail? Because I, I hear you've got a really exciting kind of background retail story and you're kind of like, you know, if we could refer to you as, as one of the goddesses of retail, it's oh, like, I would love like, that. where we're going to go. So um, tell me about your background in retail. I would love to. Can I add that officially on my LinkedIn, Don? You can. On LinkedIn, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, after this, I will update to Goddess of Retail. Um, yeah, so I, like if we go back to uni days, I um, I was a little bit confused and I actually started in medicine, which was crazy because I was never going to be a doctor. And my dad was a psychologist, so I studied psychology as a quick follow-on. And I did communications as well because I knew that I wanted to have something a bit more grounded in probably the marketing space. Um, and so I carried through that. And then I ended up doing a um, master's in PR and realized that I loved that side of um, marketing and branding. And so my first couple of jobs were in retail and brand. Actually, my first job out of uni was Dyson Appliances, which was an amazing brand really bedded in design and innovation. Everyone used to say to me, you work for a um, vacuum cleaner company. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's so much more than that. Um, and, you know, it was a bit accidental to start in, in brand and retail. But then from there, I worked, um, I did an amazing stint at Toys R Us and launched their first e-commerce offering. And then I went to David Jones and I also launched David Jones's um, e-commerce offering back in 2000 and oh, now you're testing me, 14. Um, and I, I, so I, I started and fell into this e-commerce digital space. And then from there, I, um, my first foray into, I moved into LVMH actually. And I went across as the marketing director for Benefit Cosmetics and was quickly moved into a general manager role and have been in general management across LVMH for the last couple of years, working across Benefit and the Sephora business. Wow. I mean, that's huge because it's such a diverse, I guess, graduation from I was going to be a doctor, maybe a psychologist, communications into, you know, even within the retail space, you know, vacuum cleaners to high-end brands. It's really, really fascinating. How have you found moving from kind of those traditional retailers to what, you know, is almost a disruptor really um, when we think about aerobe? Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Um, definitely whiplash on some on some elements. I think what I've been incredibly lucky to have as part of my career to date is that I have worked in some of the best businesses and had the best leaders and had it's just been an amazing stomping ground to learn what the good looks like, how to build brands that consumers love, how to build long lasting brands. So I feel really lucky that I've had that have that experience. But when you work in a market, in an organization like LVMH, ultimately a lot of the the construction of the direction happens at the head office level. And within LVMH, that's often in, in kind of Paris or it could be in the States. And what I was really yearning was to be part of that and to have a seat at that table. I've always been fascinated by the consumer and I love what made it motivates the consumer, which is what retail is all about. And when I started to look at wanting to do something different, the intersection of technology, 
the movement, this incredible movement behind sustainability and circularity was really interesting to me. And it all came together um, through an introduction to Hannon from one of our um, investors, actually, Rachel Kelly, who worked at Afterpay for a long time, where she um, she was the matchmaker and where I met Hannon really fell in love with the mission that Aerob was on um, to really speed up this journey towards circularity and the way that she was going about that in this really innovative technology, which is which is Aerob. Wow. I mean, I think it, I want to touch on a few things that you said, but particularly around, I think, for you, you said that you were really interested in wanting to have a seat at the table, particularly in those kind of head offices where those decisions were made about product and that you're really fascinated by consumer. Mm. How much of what drives a consumer actually drives employees within a business? I think you could probably answer a lot in really great consumer-led businesses and not a lot in others. And I w- I've definitely worked across the gamut of that. The best case of the business being led by the consumer, I would say, was Sephora. Mm-hmm. We were absolutely obsessed with with the customer. The Sephora's mission was to create the most loved beauty community. And mm-hmm. so through that, it meant that we had to do what the community wanted mm-hmm. and we really listened to them. And then with the evolution of social it just brings that conversation it's such a blessing and can be a curse depending on how you manage it but it's such a blessing because that there's no um space between the conversation that's happening you're part of it and you can really listen and take that that information and let it help you shape your your strategy and do you think that that experience that kind of you know change to the the importance of socials and and you know where that sits within retail and and how prevalent it is in terms of creating this community do you think that that is really where we talk about a frictionless experience when we talk about like bricks and mortar store and having that online the, the essential component to that is now this element of socials because brands curate their products for the community and their communities are so accessible when you look at, you know, like chat platforms and, yeah. you know, yeah. the people that are diehard Sephora fans amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that kind of where that, that frictionless experience lies or do you think it's more than that? I think it's a huge part because the interconnectedness between the physical experience, the digital experience, and then the consumer's experience, it's happening in real time. Um, and if you use, you know, we thought we were working within this really connected space with Instagram and then TikTok came along and it's just accelerated it all again Mm. because it's not so much about the curation of pretty images. It's the like TikTok is all about the realness of what's happening in this really genuine, authentic Mm. platform, particularly for Gen Z who are incredibly discerning so demanding you know they, they they were born into the era of a smartphone which meant that information was available on the, on demand so they're so informed you cannot pull the wool over their eyes but there were examples i remember where um there would be a viral tiktok video i can think of one that sticks out in my mind it was a peter thomas roth eye serum there was this tiktok viral video and within that went live and within 48 hours it had sold out sold out internationally so like the power of that and the ability for a video that was made from an older woman in the states to push down a global impact that had then had (laughs) 
massive impacts on their supply chain because it went from, you know, they sold three years worth of a product in two days is, oh is insane. And I think it shows that no marketing that a brand could ever put out would, would achieve that. But an individual unknown woman showing the effects of it on a TikTok video in a really authentic way is more powerful than anything a brand can do. Yeah, my goodness. And I think for a brand like Aerobe, you know, where does that play a part because you know you don't have that that physical component but it's absolutely driven by a community demands around sustainability when you only need to look at the federal election results in Australia to see that you know there is a real kind of not just groundswell but tsunami around all things environment you know how does how does that play a part in kind of aerobes choices you know how they market how they sell the consumer all those things yeah, we Aerob is a business built in in the fa- absolute foundations of sustainability and circularity. That was you know what drove our existence. And Aerob's north star is to accelerate the journey towards circularity. And the way we do that is by removing all of the all the friction. And we are we have the absolute it's an it's a zeitgeist moment with this incredible swell of consumer demand where you have a, a really woke generation in Gen Z and we've all read that you know by 2025 they'll be 50% of the purchasing power they will determine what what shapes retail moving forward and they are demanding more and more from us globally but when it comes to retail they're wanting to shop we know that they will make decisions based on shopping with brands that reflect their values and unlike other generations who have cared they will follow through that's the fundamental difference between a millennial and a gen z is there are very that they're both values driven but the gen z will act with their wallet accordingly Mm. so we feel Aerobe is really well placed to ride that wave because of the space that we're in. And what we do that's quite unique and different to other e-commerce platforms is we work with them, with the brand and the retailer to help them so that they can invite their customers to enter the circular economy when they're shopping with them, which is which is really what's unique about us because typically the consumer thinks about reset, the resale or extending the life of their garments after the purchase, whereas we're getting them to think about it at the moment of the purchase. And what that does is we ask the customer to slow down and consider the value of this item. And what we're seeing in the psychology of that is that she or he or they are then purchasing into better quality items. So we're moving them away from fast fashion, moving them into more quality garments that have that will maintain their value in the secondhand space and so really coming really helping them be more considered slowing down in fashion and then obviously extending the life of those garments and putting them into into the circular economy and increasing the basket size of the retailers that you partner with yeah which is what they love so we drive up a very there's a there's a really there's a couple of really commercial elements that the brands and retailers really benefit from and and probably the most powerful is we see a a plus 55 percent on average basket for the merchants that we partner with, and that's because she's buying into more, to better quality items within that within that brand. Pretty incredible. Um, you know, we we hear a lot about the statistics of sta- sustainability, and you know, people making forty percent of choices now are directly relevant to kind of the the relationship between the brand and the environment. What are some of the challenges that you face as Aerobe in partnering with businesses? Because, of course, you know, if your whole ethos is around circular and, and behaving in a particular way, how do you choose the people that you partner with? 
Yeah. We, we're ultimately trying to create a marketplace that is full of beautiful, well-made garments that consumers can go to almost first. We, you know, we have this North Star where we want people to look to the primary and to the secondary market equally, whereas today the masses would certainly be looking to primary first and then really only going to secondary. The, the younger generation definitely uses secondary as a, as, a, as a primary destination. But what we what we solve for with the retailers and the brands, which is what's been so powerful, is that we help them enter the circular economy in a really seamless way. And up until now, the re-commerce space for brands is a black hole. They, you know, it exists. They don't typically love it because of the way that their products show up, um, because of the nature of consumers having to take their own images, write their own descriptions. Often those really beautiful garments can be pictured in a way that they're not particularly proud of. And it means that the experience that you then have with that brand is really not in line with the experience that you would have in the primary or not not particularly something they would be proud of. And so a lot of the brands that we've spoken to have gone on their own journey on how they can better manage the e-commerce market and they look into it and what they realize is that if they want to do it themselves, it's a huge undertaking from a technology point of view, from a resource point of view, and also then it's a really closed economy. So you've got your primary shoppers now shopping alongside their secondary and they're not wild about that business case. And so what we offer them is the ability to enter the circular economy. We do it in a really light touch way where we, you know, our product of circular wardrobe is a widget that sits on their product page. Customers are then invited to add items to Aerobe as they're shopping with the brand that they love so that then when they want to relist it, they can do that in one click and then it pushes it pushes onto the Aerobe marketplace. What they then love about the Aerobe marketplace is that it's all their primary imagery, it's all their own descriptions. And so then there's customers who are actually still a brand's customer, regardless of whether they're shopping in the primary or the secondary space, are getting ex- getting an experience that's much closer to the to the branded experience that they would be proud of. So we we solve for a lot of a lot of factors within that sustainability space, kind of coming full circle to your question, because we offer them a really light touch, really commercial solution. It's proving to be really easy and almost, you know, we get a lot of, it's a no brainer. Why wouldn't we, which is a really nice place to be. What element of that? I mean, certainly from your experience with bricks and mortar and obviously online and all of the different components, how hard has it been kind of taking what in effect is kind of a, a tech company into the retail world and, and making it a, you know, truly a, a kind of retail marketplace experience? Yeah, um, it's been a journey. And I would say that, um, you know, like any new technology company or any new company, the beginning is a slog. There's, there's a, you know, you're grinding away. No one knows you. You don't have any brand equity. You have, the, you know, our founder, Hannon, who's based in the States, is incredibly tenacious and one of the most resilient people I've ever met. And she just, you know, really grinded away. And at the very beginning, you know, we we were told no a lot, but you just it was about selecting and falling across just those couple of thought leaders, mm. those those businesses and leaders within the particularly in the Australian retail landscape who were really willing to hold up the flag and say, We believe that we can enter this space and make it commercial and we're gonna do it because we know it's right for the customer. Like Erica from the iconic, yeah. and we had some really early advocacy from Oriton. Um, some really, really amazing Australian brands who stood up and supported us. And then from there, you start to get that traction and that flywheel and it becomes easier. I think because Aerobe, yes, we are a technology company, 
but we understand fashion and retail. Mm. And I think that's been a really critical um, element to our success that's served us really well. It's really interesting. We recently were at the World Retail Congress and we were we did a tour of, of a department store called Rena Center. And Rena Center mm. is, you know, a department store that is in effect built or designed based on each location that they're placed in um, and they are only around Italy and they, they kind of curate everything that they do regardless of the price point of the particular item. So, you know, it's anyone from kind of, you know, Dolce & Gabbana to they're selling food on certain levels, mm-hmm. but it's, it is designed and visually so beautiful regardless of, of what is being sold. It strikes me that that is something from a user perspective that must be really important in terms of aesthetic and and getting a certain feel and and obviously having a really good experience on Aerobe as a platform that that almost is married really well to the brands that you're associated with. How do you yeah. how do you get that right? Yeah, because I imagine brands are very particular about yeah. what's important to them and the, the look and the feel and and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the, it's one of the biggest concerns that comes up from brands, particularly more in the designer high end space is in how can my product live alongside a Patagonia jacket and a Reebok pair of sneakers? And the answer there is that ultimately at the end of the day, a marketplace is exactly that. And it's driven by consumers and what they want. And we need to allow that to continue because that's the power of a marketplace. It's driven by supply and demand of the consumer. But what we need to do is create an aero brand that is elevated enough, but also inclusive enough. And we do, and you do that through branding. And then from a user experience point of view, we have a designer hub within the aero space so that for a consumer who wants to look and shop in that price point, they can do that. And then you give confidence to brands like everyone from Acme to Zimmerman to Scanlon to say, you will only sit alongside your peers. Mm-hmm. But then that, that can, because, because the reality is, is that the consumer who buys the Acne blazer, the Zimmerman dress, and the Victorian Woods pair of jeans also wants to buy the Reebok pair of sneakers, the Birkenstocks, mm. um, you know, and the the Country Road scarf because mm-hmm. everyone, the the majority of Australians' wardrobes are are mixed through with price points and brands that they're aspiring to wear, but also. Mm everyday brands that they love that are threaded into Australia's fabric. So it's about solving to that from the consumer point of view. And one of the things that we're working with the brands on is educating them on, yes, the marketplace is not, it's not a formal distribution point. So whilst they can control who they retail with in their distribution strategy, at the end of the day, secondhand marketplace and and pre-loved marketplaces are existing. They are happening. We can't really control them completely from a consumer point of view because at the end of the day, they'll sell and buy what they want to buy. But what we can do is help them through their imagery, through the descriptions and making them more elevated in that space. You touched on before um, the fact that you've been really lucky to have some incredible mentors. What makes a mentor a good mentor? Mm. The number one 
factor I think that makes for a successful mentor is one that you gel with and that's so hard because how do you know who you gel with when you reach out to someone and the reality is you don't but you have to you have to start I think I've had mentors who I didn't particularly gel with and when I was particularly when I was younger and felt like I had to continue to kind of foster that relationship because just purely because I didn't want to you know they were so grateful to give me their time but what you realize is that you know, I could have one session with a mentor who I just really understood and who got me. That would be so much more valuable than maybe three or four sessions with a, with a mentor where it was a bit more tokenistic. So, mm. and it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with them. It's just you have to, they have to understand you and you have to understand them and be able to at least respect and have the same values. And you have to put work into a mentor relationship both mm. ways. It can't just be give and give and give and take and take. It's really about respecting each other and understanding what you can add to each other. And some of the best mentor relationships I've had have ended up being quite two-way, which has mm. been which has been really nice. It is really interesting. How do you foster kind of a, a, a mentor type initiative in a workplace to get the best out of yeah. your style, especially, you know, in, in a world like Aero, which, yeah. you know, is not necessarily a place where you're going to see everybody every, you know, all the time. Yeah. You might not all be in the same locations. Obviously, you've got your founder in the United States. I mean, how do you foster genuine yeah. relationships in a virtual yeah. world? Yeah. You have to make the effort. So, mm. it, it's really easy to cancel on a Zoom meeting. It's not so easy to cancel on a coffee meeting or a lunch date. And I think there is an incredible value in meeting people in a physical space. And I've certainly sought out mentors to help me on my own journey, having come from such a structured traditional retail space with LVMH to now moving into a a startup and technology space. I've sought out mentors who I... I was looking for someone who'd have gone on a similar journey to me. I wanted to have someone who... I was looking for a female who'd potentially worked in, you know, more of a traditional like retail, into, yeah, or like even industry, and had gone into more of this tech space. And I actually reached out and have developed a great relationship with Kat Constas, who's the mm-hmm. GM of Afterpay here. Mm-hmm. And she came from Amex and went to Afterpay. And you know, a lot of people say like, "How do you? How do you get a mentor?" I just reached out to Kat. Like mm-hmm. cold. <laughs> Hi, fangirling over here. But and she was amazing. And she was like, I would love to. And we've, you know, we meet once a month in um and we do it in person because we can. And that's where it's really reciprocal because we respect each other's time. We're both really busy, but it's important for us and we make that time. That's been something that's been a really fruitful relationship for me and someone who I feel understands me. I understand her. We've come from similar paths. Um, and it's proving to be a really, really lovely relationship. I think there's a real misconception that sometimes, you know, when you look at retailers, particularly ones that, you know, develop a brand in something like activism or sustainability or Mm. gender or any of those things, that their employees automatically gravitate towards them because of what they stand for. Do you think that your values surrounding sustainability and circular economy have grown as a result of Aerobe or were they as defined before you got there? They've absolutely grown. My husband is a really big green thumb mm-hmm. and has always been really considered and certainly been the, the the real driver in our household and our lifestyle for that, which has been great. But he drives me mental how much I need to wash my all the everything that goes into recycling. But I do it because he tells me that otherwise it won't get recycled. So I've always had that in my life. But I would, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I was 
very much buying certainly in the primary space before I started at Aerobe and that consideration set. The, what has changed is the education, leaning into this industry and really understanding the impact that fashion is having. The more you are absorbed in, in any brand or any industry, you learn it and you grow to love it. And so that education process has been really quick for me because of obviously the space we're in and needing to be credible and really understanding it. And so I've spent a lot of time researching to make sure I really understand what the problem is. And so that when I talk to retailers and brands that I understand the problems that they have. So through that, I've really uncovered the challenges and where we can make a difference. And I have really changed my approach to fashion. So I'll give you an example. It was fashion week a couple of weeks ago, the swell within me to want to go out and buy new outfits. I was going for three days, you know, old Beth would have done that. She would have gone and, you know, bought all of the new things to make sure that I was seen as being fashion forward on the three days because, you know, who's who was there. And I took a really considered approach to say I wasn't going to do that. And I was going to look to my own wardrobe, my network and aerobe to build three outfits. And I posted about it on LinkedIn and I, you know, was like hopeful that I was fashion forward enough to fit in at that event. It was proof to say you don't need to. You've got a wardrobe full, well, certainly I do, have a wardrobe full of beautiful clothes that complemented with I borrowed some stuff from my sister, I bought something from aerobe, but otherwise I put together outfits and just that own reflection for myself to say I would have probably bought five or six things to wear for 45 minutes across three days. We're so driven by wanting new things and, you know, new shiny things and keeping up with the Joneses on social and just stopping and considering and really thinking about what's motivating you when you're buying things has been really refreshing for me. My husband also loves it because now I don't spend as much on clothes, (laughs) but it's been, it, it feels really good. It's interesting though, because you know, even when you look at celebrity at the moment, the vintage is back. I mean, you've only got to look at Kim Kardashian at Met Gala. I mean, she's yep. wearing you know a dress worn by Marilyn Monroe. Nothing was made, you know, yep. other than the the one that she had to get it changed into after, so she didn't damage the dress. But yeah. Um, you know, it is very different and there is this kind of movement towards collecting or curating clothes from other eras to keep, yeah. you know, and to, to experience again. I mean, I think that there's a message in that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, you know, I grew up that if you were shopping secondhand, it was because it was purely financially driven and it was almost, you know, there was a stigma attached to it. It certainly was Mm. far from cool. Um, You know, I think that whole op shop vintage sector has been alive and well, but it was always niche and someone who was very a bit more eccentric and, you know, it was this prototype of a person, this archetype of a person, whereas now it is totally in vogue. Um, I actually saw an article yesterday that the BBC reported on because I'm not sure if you've seen, but Love Island, the new that reality TV show, have come out and said that they're um, all everyone will be dressed in secondhand clothing. And the headline was um, secondhand is now cool. And I was just, I, I reposted it because I was like, this is the moment we're in. Like we, it is no longer a stigma. This is about being considered and if you think about like the word sustainability all it means is to do something that is actually sustainable or that the you know that we can maintain and there's a financial element to that in terms of your own financial benefit that you get from you know 
shopping and second in the in the pre-love marketplace, but also from the planet because this linear model through my process of going deep on this um, over the last kind of six months, this linear model is just creating, you know, we've, we contribute to 10%, so fashion contributes to 10% of the world's CO2 emissions. And that's enormous. We just, we need to move from this make, wear, discard model to really being more considered about how we can use what's in existence, just keep pushing it back and pushing it back in. I always ask people two questions um, at the end of our chats and, and basically they are, you know, what are you reading or what, what are you watching at the moment? So, um, reading halfway through, Let My People Go Surfing, mm-hmm. which is by the founder of um, Patagonia. Now, I'm probably going to get his name wrong, but I think it's Yvonne Schuina, maybe, um, which again is probably a book I wouldn't have read if I hadn't started at Aerobe. Um, but it's about his journey and talks about the fact that, you know, that sustainability and fashion and business were always seen as not to be in sync, that they were actually at opposition. And he talks about the fact that they can, you can have a really successful business built on sustainability. And it's just, it's a really, I mean, Patagonia is such the, the poster children for how to do mm fashion right and by the planet and by consumers and so it's been a really really interesting read and i would say it's a really really high recommend um what am i watching oh god can i be honest it's everyone yeah um okay so big brother oh my god i'm yes yeah it's my absolute device it's complete trash um but what what actually dragged me in this season was the fact that it's got a couple of the OGs from 10 years ago when I used to watch it when it was you know when it was the reality tv show so um Drew and Tully for those listening that are into Big Brother oh god the drama so yeah there you go I've at least given myself some credibility with the book I'm reading hopefully hilarious well no it's funny most people on this actually answer with reality tv um yeah you know anything from The Bachelor through to you know, all sorts of things. I personally am a giant Kardashians fan. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, that and RuPaul's Drag Race. Absolutely. Right? Oh, my God. Both. And, yeah, I did I did see something online about Big Mother coming. Yep. But I don't know if it was just, you know, how, like, sometimes they make up memes. So, yeah. that's like, yeah. Anyway, like, is it true like, or is it, yeah. Is it true? I was like, and it, it would be a great concept and I would 100% watch. Oh, my God, totally. You know, I'm obsessed with the Kardashians. This yeah. whole wedding, yeah. like, debacle has just been, I'm like, popcorn. It's a feast. I'm like, yes. what is going on? She's completely yes. lost it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so exciting. I know. Um, thank you so much for your time today. We've loved hearing about your journey and, and all of the amazing things that Aerobe are doing. Um, and, you know, we're obviously going to watch with great interest to see you know what comes next and and all the amazing things that you guys implement so thank you so much thanks dom it's been an absolute pleasure i appreciate your time want to know more about the australian retail industry Visit nra.net.au for more insights just like these.